You're listening to Conversations on Character, a podcast brought to you by the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtues at the University of Birmingham. Your host is Dr. Tom Harris, and this week he interviews Brett Vigdorts, founder of Teach First, non-executive chair of the NCS Trust, and co-founder and CEO of Tiny.co. Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of the Conversations on Character podcast and this week we have Brett Wigdorps who for many will need no introduction at all being the founder of Teach First and many related uh, organisations which seek to uh, get teachers into the classroom, outstanding teachers in the classroom. But he's also currently the uh, CEO of a new organisation you set up called Tiny, which is working in early years education and, and childminding. And in this conversation, we look at the place of character in teacher education and the teacher profession more broadly and touch on all sorts of topics relating to where character really matters from early years through to adulthood. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Brett as much as I did having it. Brett, you've had one hell of a career to date and it's a a real pleasure to get this opportunity to talk to you about all things character. I really followed your uh, career and and, uh, I I really wanted to start off by asking what is it in your character that keeps you looking for all these new challenges and exciting challenges? Oh, well, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, It's hard to know what is in my, I think I enjoy problem solving, to be honest, and being useful. I think, um, um, you know, that's the broader thing. You know, it's it's a real thrill when you're doing something that is useful and helping others and solving problems. I think, you know, as a management consultant, and I didn't enjoy every moment of it, but I did enjoy the problem solving aspect of it. And then I think with Teach First and Teach For All and now uh, Tiny and National Citizen Service, I think the problem that that I just started focusing on for the last 20 years, which to me seems like a really big issue that that's exciting um, because of the impact it can have is ensuring every young person, every child has access to a great education. And and to me, that's an issue that that gets me out of bed every day, gets me really excited as something that is solvable and important. And I enjoy the problem solving aspects of what needs to happen to make that a reality. I mean, you're clearly an entrepreneur, but it's very much focused a lot of your work towards kind of socially impactful work. Is that is that something you, I presume, you purposely choose? But is, is there something around your background that really made you want to have a career in this kind of social entrepreneurship? I'm trying to think what's in my, I mean, my, I come from a family of teachers, so maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but, you know, when I was a management consultant early in my career, um, some of the projects I was on were for some corporations that I didn't really care much about or banks. And it just isn't as much fun, to be honest, at least for me. It's a lot more fun when you're working on something and you know that if you're successful, it'll help a lot of people. And, you know, you could actually meet some of the people it'll help and it'll it'll have an impact um, as opposed to, you know, a marginal, tiny bottom line impact on a corporation somewhere. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's a lot more enjoyable to be working on something that can really help people at the end of the day. I mean, I'm going to unite this because this podcast is all around character and character education. You may use kind of different terms and terminology, but certainly that focus on kind of personal development, the development of qualities that contribute towards kind of individuals, whether it be children for Teach First or, or kind of more teenagers in, in kind of national system service, are very much towards kind of developing qualities that help children kind of really flourish in their, in their lives, both individually, but more, more broadly. Um, 
I mean, is do you have a particular interest in in kind of that that area of character and character development? Because it certainly seems to be very much at the heart of organisations like Teach First and NCS. Yes, I do. I mean, I think um, a big thread through these different organisations is is the idea of helping people uh, to to really make the most of themselves, and that's on all sides. So at Teach First, I think what we really solve for was to get additional excellent teachers and leaders into education, knowing that um, that's something that the education field really needs. And, and my, my current role, I'm CEO of Tiny, which is focused on child minding in early years, and similarly, getting additional great people to be child minders and focus on early years. Um, and NCS, I think, getting additional young people, teenagers, to really focus on, on you know, how they can better themselves. And I think these all focus on the same things, that, that people want um, opportunities to do things that make them better individuals, that, that develop them, that you know, make them part of a wider group, that make them feel part of something where they're, they're you know, learning, they're getting better at things, they're making an impact. Um, and I think all of these um, different roles I've been in have that similarities. Um, it really, Teach First started the thought from this idea of the war for talent, which is, used to be this, I used to work at McKinsey as a management consultant about 20 years ago. And there was this idea of the war for talent that how do organizations attract the best talent? And it's not about paying the most money or anything, you know, as boring as that. It's much more about ensuring that people can make the most out of themselves, that self-actualization, you know, idea, so that you give people lots of development opportunities, you give people lots of leadership opportunities, um, you tell people they're part of an elite group, whether, whether they are or not, you, you know, that's what they want to feel like. Um, you want people to feel part of a collegiate group, and they have colleagues, and, you know, other, other people they're working with who support each other, that there's advancement opportunities. So these were all the things that I think great teachers have, you know, they're leading young people um, with Teach First, giving great support, great development opportunities, great training, being part of a great group. And similarly with Tiny, um, I'm not doing that with child minding and NCS with teenagers. Um, and I think with all of that, you know, that war for talent, it really helps focus on helping people make the most of themselves. Absolutely. I mean, we, our research has shown that it's actually kind of probably more influential than anything else in kind of character, educational character development is actually the character of the, the teacher themselves or the, the child mind or whoever it may be. It's, you know, you can bring all these activities in, you can uh, have these kind of lessons, resources, etc. But what really matters is actually the character as of the teacher and role models themselves. So there must have been something you were conscious of in terms of your actual recruitment of uh, let's I mean let's talk about Teach First in this instance but you know and the recruitment of teachers for Teach First there must be particular things you were looking for in that regard. Yeah definitely we were looking for people who um, were you know we were we in the early days we called them top graduates and we probably now shied away the first after the first few years but we wanted to change the perspective of what it meant to teach in a um, let's say challenging or school and challenging circumstances. And that came from when we started at Teach First. I remember meeting the head of careers, I think he was at Oxford. It was, um, he said there was less than, I think five of his graduates that year at the whole university who went to teach in a comprehensive school. And he said almost all of them were doing it for religious reasons. They wanted to be uh, priests or things. Um, so it just wasn't seen as a career option. And I think what we wanted to get was people who had that who want to make a difference, who want to help others, but yet also want to help themselves at the same time. And I think that was sort of how we pitched Teach First, like it's a way to help others while helping yourselves. The most exciting part of my 20 years since we started Teach First, I was there for 15 years, was realizing young people and graduates 
care more about helping others than they do about making a lot of money. And it's a total myth. You know, it's this myth, especially I think 10 years ago during the banking heyday that all top graduates wanted to do was, you know, make as much money as possible, as quickly as possible. And I, I like to think Teach First and a lot of the sister programs like Frontline and Social Work and Unlocked in, in um, Prison Service and Police Now and Police show actually, you know, you know, top graduates, the first thing they want to do is help others make an impact and, and feel like they're changing people's lives. And that's more important than, you know, the salary they make usually. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you can see I've met so many Teach First graduates and, and you can absolutely see that in the way that they express themselves. But what they also expressed to me quite often was sometimes a frustration because they had such kind of an altruistic aim, I suppose, and to really make a difference and change, change young people's lives and schools. But sometimes when they hit the, the realities of schools, they didn't feel that always kind of matched up to what they hoped because of the extra pressures in terms of particular focus on attainment and, and these sorts of areas, which are clearly necessary within schools schools but sometimes don't fully reflect certainly the teach first teachers I met but also wider people's understanding of what really matters or what is the full of, uh, and rich purpose of education I don't know whether you've kind of experienced any of that yourself from the teachers you spoke to about how you know whether their expectations were met sometimes they met schools and I, I've got a related question coming on to kind of maybe the changing nature of a focus on character and character education in, in policies more recently but certainly have, have was, was that a challenge in any in any sense yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, of, of course. Um, I mean, there's in a few different ways. One, you know, there's thousands and thousands of schools, tens of thousands of schools um, in England, and some of them have great leadership. I think most of them have great leadership, actually. I think, you know, head teachers, in my experience in England, are some of the best leaders in the country. There's some incredibly impressive people doing that role. Um, but some of them also have very bad leadership. And usually you can see the difference pretty quickly when you enter into a school. Um, and I know a lot of our teachers really struggled in uh, working in some very um, difficult environments, which were very dysfunctional. There's a lot of very dysfunctional schools out there with very poor leadership. And it's difficult when you're in the start of your career wanting to make an impact if, if you don't have a good functional leadership in school. And, you know, and, and there are still some schools out there that have that. And in the end, the, the children are the ones who really suffer from that. Um, I think it's also difficult, you know, I mean, when you're a teacher, you do have a lot of authority over your classroom, but obviously, the structure is much more focused on, on certain results, on um, GCSEs, on obviously, especially in the last 10 years, there's been lots of changes um, since, since Michael Gove in 2010 um, on national curriculum and, and what teachers need to get through. And um, some teachers think it's great. Some teachers disagree with it. And uh, I think there's a whole variety of opinions out there. So some are very happy with it, some aren't. Definitely. And I mean, you're absolutely right that clearly the leadership is the, the most important point. And, you know, some schools will say, well, the outside environment, you know, the overemphasis on metrics in Ofsted, etc. The issues around here, but actually great leaders will actually, you know, take that on board and ensure that their school really serves the community in, in that rich and fuller sense of education. And I think that the teachers who work in the schools really appreciate it. But it, you, you mentioned Michael Gove there. There was a move um, by Nicky Morgan and continued by Damien Hines to kind of push character education a, a, a bit more, including some changes that happened in the Ofsted framework. Um, I mean, some of the politics around kind of character education and indeed the sorts of policies that you put in place um, can can sometimes be critiqued or, or challenged. But do you think broadly that move was was welcomed? Yeah, it's difficult for me to say. I mean, I, yeah, I think character education is really important. I always struggle with some of the debates on the curriculum because I um, 
and people always get really frustrated with me because I think often people take some really strong camps on different things and then I'm usually somewhere in the muddled middle on many, many of these items where, you know, I think some of Michael Goh's reforms I really agree with, like, I, you know, a person I think is a simple area. How do you teach children how to read? I think there's a lot of evidence that synthetic phonics is probably a great way to teach children how to read. And based on the evidence, you know, that was probably a good way for it. I think exams are often a great way to ensure leveling up. You know, everyone has equal opportunity to succeed if you can get it right. And many times you can't. So, so there are some positive aspects of that. Um, but, you know, there's also the worry that it's so focused on certain knowledge um, that you, you take away some of the other areas of character education and others that are really important as part of a schooling environment. And um, I, I, whenever people would ask me these questions, I'd always read a few quotes from thousands of years ago. I have a great quote from Confucius, the Talmud in ancient Israel, uh, Cicero. And I think there's another one where they all basically say completely different things about the purpose of education. And my point is, you know, people have been debating what schools should be doing for thousands and thousands of years. This isn't a new debate. And I imagine, you know, far in the future, these debates will still be happening. And there is the difficulty with education is there is no right and wrong. It's really about, you know, what does society want the young people, um, where, where they want the young people to get to. And that's a constant debate. Very well put, actually. Yeah. And, we, and we will go on debating, particularly us academics in universities who, who like having these uh, uh, debates and, and conversations around around this. But I, I think we're actually at a particularly interesting time where these debates are really are being held right now, because I think the pandemic clearly changed a lot of perspectives around uh, education. And there's been lots of kind of initiatives and uh, commissions, etc., looking at, you know, this idea of the purpose of education. But one thing that was struck was how many teachers have kind of returned to or wanted to kind of join the profession almost counterintuitively given you know how much was made of you know the extra workload putting put into I mean again I suppose that comes back to one of your original points about people's desire to kind of do something you know socially good within their lives yeah I mean it's interesting I know Teach First um, has got record recruitment this year my understanding um, great for teaching tiny where, where I'm this child mining agency I've started, we're getting record number of people who want to be child minders and, and educate small young children. Um, and it's in a Teach First, we saw this in 2008 when there was the economic crisis, where suddenly we were inundated with applications. And it is sometimes a counter cyclical thing where in difficult um, economic times or when people you know, feel there's difficult times, teaching becomes a much more appealing career, I think, for lots of different reasons. Um, you know, maybe stability, maybe people understand the importance of education in different ways. So it's interesting, you know, if that will last, you know, in, a, in another year or two. Um, but there's certainly, it does seem like there's, there's, it's a very boom market in education. Um, not in every part of education, though. I mean, I know there's still struggles to get great STEM teachers, science, you know, technology, technology computer science teachers, uh, math teachers is still a, a huge struggle for a lot of schools. You can certainly yourself, you've had a uh, kind of a, a career change during this, this move as well, stepping away from Teach First and um, moving towards Tiny, which you've mentioned a few times. Do you want to tell us just a bit more about Tiny and what your, uh, you know, what your plans are for it? Yeah, sure. I led, so I, I started Teach First in 2002 and led it for 15 years. Um, and that was, uh, you know, it was great uh, growing it and helping it get into 60 countries, Teach for All, um, which we founded, which co-founded, which got into lots of countries around the world and lots of local programs started. Um, and during my time visiting hundreds of schools, we started focusing on secondary schools and then we moved into primary schools. Um, and I've quickly realized you need to start working with younger children 
um, I, I got more and more passionate realizing the area of education that's actually the most broken <laughs> all over the world is early years, I think. You know, I mean, there's lots of areas of education that are slightly broken in some places or people are focused on and different countries are doing better or worse. But I just struck me that early years education is an area that almost every country in the world is having a struggle with. Um, and, you know, no one would really say it's going great. And this is an area where all the science, all the brain science, all the knowledge we've learned in the last 20 years says working with young children, one, two, three, four-year-olds is so important for that brain development to get them, you know, a really good, then set them up for life. Um, you know, an investment there is so important. I, I've seen it in a lot of reception classes in your one classes where you have young children who had a poor earlier education who don't know how to really speak or verbalize things or play or, you know, imagine or the, you know, these things that really sad that you, you'd want a four or five year old to be able to do really well. So that got me really passionate about early years education. And then I started thinking for it to work. The problem with early years education is you need a lot of educators, you need a lot of practitioners because the ratios are so small, you know, one practitioner can only, you know, educate a few children as opposed to 30 children when they're teenagers. Um, and to get lots of practitioners, you need to find a way for them to make a professional living and, um, make, you know, and it's really hard. How do you make the money work when you only have three or four kids that they're watching? Um, and I got really interested in this sort of like Airbnb idea, like using childminders, where people really um, start a nursery in their homes and, um, you know, then get to keep 80 or 90 percent of the money. And even if they're only taking care of a few children, they can then make um, a good living without charging the parents a lot or government or whoever's ever paying a lot. And it could be sustainable. So um, started Tiny, which is a digitally focused uh, child mining agency, really um, tech focused to really support everyone. And we're trying to just grow the supply and get a lot more people out there to open up small nurseries in their homes, follow the early years foundation stage curriculum, high levels of safeguarding, um, make it like Teach First, like a real social activity. So they're part of a great cohort um, that does stuff together. Um, great development, great professional development. Um, and really, hopefully, um, hopefully at some point globally, really try to improve the education for lots of young children. That sounds fascinating. And what I suppose what the challenges you have for you is uh, both kind of the recruitment of the numbers of people to, you know, kind of, uh, as you say, the, the economies of scale require a lot of people in that area, but also getting the right people into the role, particularly uh, I noticed in your um, kind of slogan is unlock, unlocking the potential of every child. And we've been talking a lot about character and, and, and kind of character education in this in conversation. It, it's about getting people because quite often at the early years, people would say those sorts of, you know, uh, important responsibilities, the responsibilities of parents primarily. And then, you know, we live in a, in a world where kind of a lot of parents need to have childcare to, to enable them to work and all the rest of it. So fully understandable why other, other kind of adults need to come in. But it's about ensuring that's quality, I suppose, childcare with an emphasis on kind of potential and, and learning within that. Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's a combination of, I mean, and usually you're, I mean, you're usually talking about moms. I mean, obviously it should be dads too. I, I took six months off when my third child was born, which was brilliant. But usually you're saying if, if, if that's the case, then moms can't go back to work for three years or their careers are on hold for a long time. Um, but also let's face it, a lot of people, you know, even if they're great with small kids, aren't earlier as educators. I mean, I, I think this has to be a professionalized field where, um, you know, if, in some ways, I wonder is the fact that it's so female oriented, people disregard it too much because it, it's just so important. 
And we know there's lots of people out there who are really good at working with small children and have that skill. And, you know, they're very important people. Like they're actually more, you know, they need to be really risen in importance. They need to be paid properly. They need to be developed properly. They need to be taught about brain development. You know, they need to learn how to be really good earlier as educators and not just do it as a sort of side, side thing. Um, and that's what we're trying to do at Tiny. I think, um, you know, it's a real skill to help young children follow. And I, I think the British, the English Early Years Foundation Stage curriculum is a pretty good one. It's a good, it's a good framework actually to use, but you need real skill and development to be able to do it well. Great. Well, very best of luck with that. Eventually, we look forward to hearing more. And in, indeed, you know, a few years down the line, what the, what the next thing that you might turn your attention to, but... We, we tend to finish off these podcasts uh, by doing our ever popular, what we call virtues from a hat, uh, pull out a, a quality, a human quality, and then just ask you to uh, just say someone who you think really exemplifies that uh, quality. So hopefully you're up for that, Brett. Sure, I'll give it a try. Fantastic. So I'm going into the hat right now and I, I've, I've pulled out the quality of compassion, compassion. Gosh, so... It's always hard with individuals, like with any of these things, when people say, who's your hero? Because I think everyone is always a mixture of lots of qualities. And um, if I were to say the best teachers I've ever met are, are incredibly compassionate, you know, I, I can name some teachers, but I prefer to just generally say the best teachers. I think it's very easy as a teacher to, to like certain kids, not like, but really focus on, on certain kids and not others. I've visited classrooms where I've thought, oh my God, that kid is so annoying. And the most compassionate, the best teachers, the teachers who are so much better than I could ever be are the ones who see the spark within that, that child, that boy, let's say in this position, and, you know, really find ways to tease out of him what's possible, you know, and uh, no matter how difficult he is, no matter what, what he does, you know, can always find a way to support him in his education journey. So I'll take a if I can take a cop out, I'd say um, outstanding teachers are usually the most compassionate people I know. Fantastic, right? Yeah, and I, I expected you to shout out for the teachers, given your, given your career today, but you're also absolutely right that so many of these qualities are interrelated, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, kind of courage, passion, all these other things, and um, patience that you were, you, were, you were talking about there. That's fantastic, Brett. Thank you so much indeed for joining us for this podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have this conversation with you today. Well, thanks, Tom. I really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed listening to Conversations on Character, hosted by Dr. Tom Harrison and produced by me, Joe McDowell, on behalf of the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtue. To learn more about character, the research of the centre, or to give us feedback on this podcast, visit jubileecentre.ac.uk or find us on social media at Jubilee Centre One. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.